Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello and welcome to A City of Champions, a seven-part podcast series diving into each individual game of the Cleveland Cavaliers 2016 finals run. Ah, the dick punch game. The Athletics' Marcus Thompson joins us to discuss the Warriors' win to take a 3-1 series lead and that fateful swipe at LeBron's private parts. Here in Cleveland, Cavs not only undefeated at home, they have been dominant at home. Count it and a foul! Irving with a little hesitation, and Clay Thompson picks up his second foul, and he's going to come out of the game. Curry's got Tristan Thompson on him. Curry the drive, shot blocked by Irving. Curry left open. Curry connects. Thompson for three, puts it in, and it's a two-point game. Timeout, Cavaliers. Thompson out to Curry, three-pointer, puts it in. Golden stayed up three, an 11-point turnaround here on the third. Shot clock at seven, Curry fakes, puts up a three, bang! Stephen Curry from downtown, it's a 10-point game. Irving drives inside, gets away from Thompson on an easy two. Back-to-back 30-point games for Kyrie Irving. And that's their first field goal in six and a half minutes. Green and James drawing at each other while play continues. Iguodala the pull-off, that won't go. And a double foul is going to be called. Channing Fry getting in between LeBron James and Sense. Green starting to walk away. You know, as far as the play, I think the league will take a look at it. We'll see what they say. You expect that they will? No. Curry fakes, drives off the glass. It's good. Curry will finish with 38 points. And the Golden State Warriors take a commanding 3-1 lead in these NBA Finals. LeBron James and the Cavs now in a, in a big hole as they head back to Oakland. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Going wonderfully. This is uh, part four of the seven-part series, and I'm excited to talk about this one because it's the dick punch game. It is absolutely the dick punch game, and we are very, very happy to have best-selling author of Golden. Check out both Golden and KD on uh, Amazon, wherever you get your books. Marcus Thompson of The Athletic. Marcus, how's it going? Did that happen this game? I don't, I don't know which one. I, I, I always, <laughs> whenever that game is referenced, I'm thinking of the Western Conference Finals. That's the dick, <laughs> that's the dick <laughs> kick game. It's a very important oh, distinction man. to make. All right, all right. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the genuine contact. This, this was the, uh, the little more debatable and controversial one of the two. <laughs> Got you. Well, if, if right. I if I recall correctly, Justin, I remember uh, uh, some very serious Warriors fans posting montages of Draymond kicking up into the into the air uh, to, oh, to yeah. prove a lack of malice. Mm-hmm. Well, I, no question. That was during the. Uh, I remember do, do, all of those during the Western Conference Finals, where it was like, okay, he does this. This is a flail. This is his <laughs> thing. I, I I do remember putting on kind of my neighborhood watch hat and, and leading the uh, the arrest Draymond movement at that time. I mean, anything, anything to get a damn championship. <laughs> um, but I'm fine sh- with it on my end. Yes, I, I'm I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit later. But this 
was an interesting game because game four was the first real close one in the series. And actually, it's kind of sneaky. From this point on, I, I think a lot of the games were competitive. I know the final score doesn't necessarily indicate that. But games four, five, and, and even six, those were kind of decided in the fourth quarter. Like the six-minute mark in this game was kind of where things went to hell for the Cavs. But this... This was the game where Steph really kind of put his mark on on the series. Like Curry and Clay, to me, just kind of jumped off the screen with how well they were playing. I, I know, you know, Cavaliers won their series, right? And this is forever the series that is, you know, the ridicule of the Warriors and the blight on Steph Curry's legacy, yada, yada. I get it. <laughs> but for me, game four, this game and game five of the 2015 series mm-hmm. is for me any answer to anyone who says Steph has never showed up at the finals because <laughs> that game number one was the first series in 2015 it was like him and LeBron was going at it it was blow for blow LeBron had 41 and like they I think Steph had 17 in the fourth quarter LeBron had 15 I just remember watching that game thinking yo I'm really watching two legends go at it it felt like I was in a candy store it was crazy but this game... Shot clock at seven. Curry fakes. Puts up a three. Bang! Steph and Curry from downtown. It's a ten-point game. Steph was not good the first few games. They were... The Cavaliers kind of really pioneered how Steph is, is, has been played. Uh, I mean, really, Oklahoma City did, but they had bigger players. Mm-hmm. They just started running these long wings. The guys that you didn't think could defend were just kind of buckling down and just making life difficult for them. And I remember before game four, uh, talking to the Warriors head of security, Ralph Walker, who's technically Steph's body man. And he was just like, uh-oh, I think, I, I, I think Steph's going to have a good game. I feel it. Because mm-hmm. every game was about managing that knee. It was managing that knee. And we just thought he was done. We thought, I thought he was done. I thought he didn't have anything left. And I think this was the game where Steph was like, if we get the 3-1, it's our series. So all I got to do is give us one more game. And this was the game he did it. And I thought it was the most impressive game of his career, even though it wasn't the prettiest mm-hmm. uh, because of all that went down. Now, we forget about it because, you know, <laughs> what happened next. But, like, in the moment, it was like, oh, okay, this dude is legit. Yeah, in the three games prior uh, to this, game one, he had 11 points on three of eight shooting. Mm-hmm. Game two, he had 18 points. And then game three, 19. So he failed to score 20 points in the first three games of the series. And, uh, in my notes for this, I said this was Steph's dick on the table game. Cause- it was. No no question. Absolutely it was. And, you know, I, I mean, I think a lot of stuff gets lost in this series because of the drama, mm-hmm. right? And then we'll talk about it. But, man, like just watching this, Tristan Thompson on the perimeter, uh, J.R. Smith on the perimeter, Kyrie Irving on the perimeter, they made life rough. Yeah. Like they, they, they actually played really good defense. Which, which, you know, these guys aren't known for defense, right? This is not what they do. But <laughs> somehow they locked in, and it was really rough. They they chased they chased Steph off the line. They, Clay disappeared before this game. Like, Curry wasn't good, and part of that was because Clay was terrible. Right. The first game. This was the first game he broke out. Yeah, I think it's a, another interesting thing is, like, we spend so much time uh, when we talk about this series talking about Curry's injury, and rightfully so, right? It was obviously a big storyline. I kind of forgot how like fucked up everyone on both teams was by the end of the series. Oh, man, Kyrie yeah. hurt his foot in game six. 
Uh, Kevin Love missed game three with a concussion and game four was... I forgot all about that. Well, I watched it again. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He came off the and, bench. And yeah. he looked... Uh, like pretty glassy eyed to be honest. And some of that was that oh, beer. Like, that thing was yeah. nasty as hell. Like it got worse as the series progressed, but it, it didn't help that he's dealing nope. with a head injury and he just looks wild as shit. Yeah, he, he did not look great. Uh Clay, the game prior in game three, took a knee to the thigh from Mozgov, which I had forgotten all about, and they barely talked about it in the broadcast. Uh it was actually in your column that you referenced that he had to get an injection in that in yeah. that thigh prior to the game so really everyone was kind of a walking wounded by the end of this series that man this this series is so epic i know warriors fans don't like it right it's the, it's the thing you're not supposed to talk about it's like mm-hmm. it's like your drunk uncle right you know? <laughs> it's kind of let you know hey don't talk about him he's just gonna live with his mama forever it's cool but this series was incredible like i mean just watching game four was like this is this is unbelievable. They couldn't guard Kyrie to save their life. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving. Crossover. Got it! Oohs and ahs from the crowd. And the Cavs back up by five. Irving drives inside. Gets away from Thompson and an easy two. Harrison Barnes, like, the difference in the series, and this is something, obviously, we learned uh, and we knew, but Harrison Barnes made open shots in this game, and that's why they won. Yeah. And it's suddenly he stopped making them but it was unbelievable they they committed so many resources to stop it Steph. they basically committed one guy to clay it was like just don't let him get a shot off and it works and it was like all right if harrison Barnes makes your shots that's all they got and he stopped making them and that's why they went to go get kevin durant but just the the layers of this series was incredible uh I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch this whole series now just because you guys got me watching Game 4. Well, it was, it was crazy because Harrison Barnes, essentially, he was one of the biggest difference makers. Like, Clay and Steph, I, I think this was collaboratively, the, the two of them going at it. Um, they fueled the the comeback because uh, there, there were stretches where the Cavs were up. There were 15 lead changes in the first half. And one thing I've gained an appreciation of re-watching this series, and some of this obviously took place a- after game four, but Steph was so good. Like, he really, once he got it going, he was able to, to work through the pain. Thompson out to Curry, three-pointer, puts it in. Golden stayed up three on 11-point turnaround here on the third. The change in his game was more subtle. Like, he was still able to kind of get some explosion. Uh, there was a play in game seven where JR threw a lob and Steph jumped out of nowhere to basically pick it out of the air. But it, it, it's kind of how he would do more gradual movements around uh, screens. He, he wasn't as sharp with his, his cuts. And even though he was missing something, he was so damn good. It, we, we talked about it even in game seven where he would answer every big Cavs play. And it's really just a couple mistakes or missed opportunities that seem to define him for this series. But overall, like we're in a jokes over facts society and that's kind of what's defined this. And issue. you definitely haven't contributed to that one bit. 100%. I, I know that that's very much how I roll, but at the end of the day, like... You might be the author of it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Co-by> <laughs> <laughs> well, it, maybe it's a testament to my split personality where I can do that, but at the same time, think that Steph's basically the prototype of everything you'd want in a point guard. Yeah, and you know, I, I really don't think it's a slight to the Warriors. I, I really don't. I know it's funny. It is funny, right? It's, it, it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. We get a kick out of it, but I mean, like, watching this game, watching Kyrie figure out 
that he can't be guarded. It's almost like he – I think it maybe I think it actually happened in game three, but we all thought that might have been just a fluke, right? Yeah. It was a, it was a route. It was like, all right, they just got hot one game as they tend to do. Uh, but this game, it was like, okay, it was almost like he realized, oh, they really can't guard me, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like no matter who they put on him, it was almost like he became Neo in the Matrix and we saw him take another level. I mean, these dudes are incredible. Like, it's incredible what they. Yeah, the, the talent level in this series was nuts. Uh, but before we move be- off step, I did want to read uh, an excerpt from your post game uh, column that I thought that really jumped out at me. I, we were we were kind of looking through what you wrote at the time to see if we could find any funny or interesting uh, tidbits. And uh, you said, "quote." But in the first real close game of the series, Curry proved again to be the NBA's best closer. And isn't it crazy that the final three games of this series completely changed that? Completely. That yes. that reputation. Because that wasn't like a hot take at the time. It was all season. It's what we watched all year. He hit like four game winners, right? Including uh, the one in Oklahoma City in February, which is probably the defining shot of his career. The, the double bang like, from Mike Breen, one of my yeah, favorite yeah. calls of we, all time. Curry, way down top. Bang! He had done it all year. It was like every time you needed stuff to come through, like that was it. And like I, watching this game again, I remember like they thought this series was over. Everybody thought the series was over. LeBron thought the series was over. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like everybody thought the series was over. This was it. They they had won in Cleveland in game four and they pulled it off and they thought they had this series figured out. And it was like if they win one more game, this is the whole narrative about Steph has changed because of game four, because he went in there against incredible defense. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy complained all game about how physical it was. So it was, it was the kind of game they weren't supposed to win. Yeah. Uh, a physical, brutal, kind of tough, beat him up, uh, chase him off the three-point line. I, I don't even know how he got through it, actually, in hindsight, just because he was so banged up. But he was that good. It's just that LeBron and Kyrie ended up better. It was also, for in game four, this was really the Warriors shooting game, if there ever was one. They shot 47% from three and 40% from the field. Yeah, the, um, the math problem came up in this for one. 14 24 at some point, right? They were like 14 for 24. It's just like, all right, they're hot. What are you supposed yeah. to do? There was, a, there was a stretch in the, I think it was third quarter, where Clay didn't even hit the rim. <laughs> like, he, he took three shots and they just had no chance of missing. It was like, oh, okay, look at Clay showed up. It, it makes me uh, kind of excited to see once things get back to normal and uh, we, we get Steph and Clay kind of as the number one and two options next season, I'm looking forward to that because you, you watch this Warriors team and, and the contrast between the two teams. Obviously, the Warriors had more depth at this time than they did during the KD era, but they just everyone was moving so well out off the ball. Like as soon as they give the ball up, they're moving because they, they trusted each other to get the ball back to them. Everyone knew where they needed to be on offense and defense. And obviously with Kevin Durant, things, the style of play had changed a little bit. You had a little bit more isolation basketball, but just seeing the Warriors at kind of the, the peak of their powers, it, it, it's refreshing. And especially now that time's been removed from it and the Cavs are nowhere near contending, so I, I don't have to worry about, well, how are we going to match up against the Warriors? I, I can truly kind of appreciate what's going on here. But you talked about how physical this series was, and there was a moment in the first quarter where I audibly gasped 
McAdoo checking into the game. It, like <laughs> they're getting beat up on the boards and McAdoo checked in. And I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, James Michael McAdoo to the rest. <laughs> this is Steve Kerr's socialism, right? Like this is what he <laughs> believes in. It's like, man, that 15th guy, Verishow played this game. So, so it's I like... actually think Verishow is an interesting thing to talk about because Kerr gets roasted for two things for game seven, more than anything else. Festus checking in, in the middle of the fourth, rightfully so. But he also gets roasted for playing Verishow, and Verishow was good in this game. In this game, but he was terrible. In game seven, like, he was bad. He, he gave it right back. First, he gave it it right wasn't back. the first time. It wasn't the first time. It was, it was when he read it back. It was like he was so terrible in the first half, and he stuck with the same rotation. It was like, dude, everybody can see this guy's watch, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like, don't put him back out there, and he did it. But, yeah, uh, you know what was – one thing that really jumps out to me, you talked about ball movement and just how in sync they were. It's amazing how younger they were, right? Yeah. Like, it's amazing how, yes. <laughs> like, Draymond and Draymond and Sean Livingston was incredible. Like, this is not, this is not the Sean Livingston from last year. No. no. And this is not even the Draymond, right? Like, they were so youthful in how they moved and the zeal and how they ran around. Uh, Iguodala is still an incredible athlete, but even they all look so much younger. So they got so much – so much more zest in their legs. I mean, even on the cast too, it's like, you know, these dudes don't look old. No. You can, and that 2016 don't seem that, like it was that long ago, but watching this, this feels like a, like 20 years ago, like just the way they're bouncing around. This was one of the takes like, I always had about JR in his last year uh, in 2018. And then, you know, or 2018, then shortly in the 2018, 19 season before he was sent away, never to return again. Uh, and like people were so were shitting on him so hard for how like harmful he was to Cavs lineups. I'm like, this dude's like in his like 18th NBA season at this point. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he just he just looked like he's still 24, but like he didn't have like these guys still had tread on their tires, and this was only their second finals in a row. Like I just think people really underplayed how hard all these years were on these guys. Like look how much better LeBron looks after a playoffs off. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. And it's also funny to look at Kyrie and, and just how well he played with LeBron. I, I know he had his most efficient seasons of his career in Boston, but I think some of that's just kind of natural growth. As a fit with LeBron, that was basically his ideal role. And part of why I hope uh, that KD comes back uh, healthy, because I, I think those two can be a similar fit. But Kyrie's also been his own worst enemy on and off the court. And what's he want? What's he want more than this? Like watching this is like, dude, what you want? Yeah. Like you're getting all the shots. You're getting all the, there's, he can't get more shots. Yeah. Is it, is it post game credit? Is it media? Like this was ideal for him. He just, they couldn't even guard him with two people. They had to put one dude. Mm-hmm. on. Right. It was like, you get, you get, you get one-on-one action and all the shots you want. Yeah. It's, it, like, <laughs> it's funny that you take that angle. Cause after rewatching a few of these games so far, my big takeaway has been like, it's kind of nice just to like get to have fun with Kyrie again. <laughs> I know. Right. It is fun. <laughs> like without all this baggage and like shit to talk about and jokes to get off. It's like, Oh no, he was just actually super good. And like, you know, what's crazy oh, is people left this series still thinking he wasn't that good. <laughs> No, nah, he was incredible. I, I do think, though, I do think he found another level. Like, yes. And it, I, it, it, like, that game five, I know we're not there yet, mm-hmm. was just, I mean, it was unbelievable. He was insane. It felt like, I was watching in this game, there's a couple moves where it's like he's one-on-one and he's in space, 
and he's not pulling it out. He's just like, I see this guy in front of me. Nobody can guard me. You could just there's just an aura about him that seems to come alive. And LeBron was struggling with his shot for a little bit, and it just looked like Kyrie was like, "Man, I got this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I got it." We'll have more with Marcus right after this brief message from our sponsors. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All are open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. And if you're into props and entertaining betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website today and join for a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. I'm interested to hear what you think about this angle I'm going to take because Kyrie was their, you know, their shot maker and was the guy who really felt like it didn't matter who was guarding him. He was going to get, he was going to get buckets efficiently and Watching LeBron in this game specifically, and he really wasn't particularly inefficient. He went 11 for 21 from the field. When you watch the game like this, do you like notice that he's a way better shot maker than he was in 2016? Oh, man, yes. There were so many times he's got Curry on him and he doesn't do anything. Yeah, he it was just, it was just weird. He didn't like, have an in-between game the yes, way he does now. Know, it's like He's so much more skilled people. now. One thousand percent. He he's either pulling up for the J or he's getting to the rim, and you could tell he was hesitant about getting the charge, and he didn't want to dribble much because he's right in Steph's little wheelhouse with the hands, mm-hmm. and he just kind of didn't know what to do, and so he just didn't do anything. He'd get to like the dotted line and either kick it back out. It was just it was weird. It's like I remember I remember live looking it up. It's like yo, why is this dude not scoring on Steph? Why is he not taking Steph? Because they were doing so much action to get Steph on him, and then he wouldn't he wouldn't just dominate him. It was weird, and you're right. He's so much better now. But the shot making, the confidence in the shot, he, he's doing these things where you can tell he's about to shoot. He kind of te- – he te- you know, kind of – he telegraphs where he's about to shoot, right? But he, t- he starts taking these kind of inside-out dribbles, inside-out. It's almost like he's convincing himself, like, I'm about to make <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to make no. It, I'm going to make – I totally agree. Like, he doesn't do that now. He just, like – he just jacks that thing, and it's like, it's money. There was one – But you can see the hesitance in the shot. There was one play in particular, and this is when I wrote down the note, is there was an offensive rebound, and he – it was kind of a weird mid-level offensive rebound to where he caught it, like, at the top of the charge circle, and Bogut was right in front of him, but his hands were down. And, like, current Braun just immediately just floats that up and makes it. And he froze. He didn't want to shoot a 12-footer at all. Yeah, he was indecisive a lot. And, and it was just like – and you watch it, and, like, we've we've already rewatched Game 7 as well. And, like, he – even in a game where he played great, like, he just didn't have this arsenal. Like, I, I've mentioned this multiple times on the podcast, so our regular listeners are probably sick of hearing it. But a couple – like, four or five months ago, there was a highlight uh, – highlight reel of his game seven in Boston in 2018 and he had almost no just athletic finishes it was all footwork it was all uh mid post and just manipulating the defense to get the bucket he wanted and like that was not him in this game and it's just crazy to think that he really did get better uh to compensate for whatever athleticism he's lost yeah how old is he in here 31 
I'd have That's to check. That's a good oh, question. I'm, yeah, I'm I, back I think checking it'd be Justin Carius. Yeah, well, I, I I was the one that was checking. Yeah, he would have been 31 years old at, at this point, which that's that's insane that he got better. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is honestly how his right. stats haven't really dropped off because, like, I think like all of his athletic drop off has been kind of imperceptible. Uh, mm-hmm. But but it's there, yeah. like it's all in that first step and like being able to get up, uh, you know, at a moment's hesitation every time he wants. And like now he's it's all craft for him, which is why I think he's going to keep aging well. Man, he could play three more years and then become the secondary player. He could do that <laughs> at forty. Yeah, I agree, gross. man. Be, it's unbelievable. Like it's it's nuts. Like the dude is like he's he's so good. He's and this is even what we're watching in Game Four is a different iteration than from the first time he went to the finals. So his growth is just continuous. If 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 you're watching this, if you're Steph Curry, you you gotta like Draymond, Steph Curry. You're thinking, all right, there there are other levels to the game because LeBron keeps getting better, and that's that's the part I'm curious about Steph and Draymond and Clay because they're 31, 32 now, mm-hmm. and we, we tend to think, oh, is this like so they are who they are, right? Like, how do they get better? Like Draymond, you gotta Draymond's gotta get the shot down. Yeah, the shot is just so gone for him at this point, and it. It's kind of jarring to see, like, again, we watched game seven, like seeing him hit six threes and four and a quarter. And it's like, I don't think he's hit four threes and a quarter since game seven. Mm-hmm. No, It's amazing how much time has changed. And one, one thing that really jumped out to me, letting me know just how long ago this was, they ran an ad for OJ Made in America. That was OJ Made in America? Yes. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. Hello, Twitter world. <laughs> there was even Jeff McGetty was telling a story about OJ with a gun to his head, talking about, hold on, let me hear the end of the game. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> and AC Collins knew Coach Riley peripherally, waved him over, and proceeded to tell him OJ wanted to hear the end of the game on the radio before he pulled in. Like, I could just see him having the gun to his head saying, turn up the radio, AC, so I can hear the last few minutes. I, I, I also heard that. I was thinking, Jeff, is, this, is now the time for this? <laughs> like, what What are you talking about? That's like, like, a comment that I've had, uh, that I, I had, I didn't end up saying it on the Game 7 pod, was that how good Breen, Van Gundy, and uh, Jackson were on that call. It was like one of the one of the better called games you'll see in a big moment. And uh, whatever whatever kudos I was going to give them for that, I'm taking it away for the the protracted uh, OJ Simpson rant <laughs> in the middle of a finals yeah, game. It was so random. It was like, are, well, I was like, is this even true? Like, do we know this is true? But you know, Jeff ain't gonna need it, man. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It's all entertainment. the The other thing, other than LeBron really struggling in the first half, like three points, three assists, and three turnovers with like four minutes to go. And I think he only had seven in the first half. Uh, luckily, Kyrie's scoring kept them in it. Tristan Thompson was massive. I feel like the people that appreciate Tristan the most are the fans of opposing teams that played him in the playoffs. Like the, Especially back then when he had that kind of versatility where he could switch on the staff. The one thing that did jump out, though, was Iggy was totally fouled going into half. That that was a wild ass missed call, <laughs> and Luke Walton absolutely earned that tech. He got the tech, yeah, he got the tech, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's it was kind of par on course for the whole game, right? Yeah, it was a weird game with weird calls. Uh, it got really, it was so insanely physical that they just like, I feel like the refs just didn't quite know how to handle it. I think for the most part, it was a pretty well officiated series, but 
they had just no clue what to do with this. They they were letting them like they were letting a lot happen, and I think some of it started with how they were guarding LeBron, especially from last year. You know, LeBron has that that lead arm that's just like a clock pendulum, right? It's just swinging mm-hmm. as he's making his drive. And I know they complained about it all series. Like, he's he's creating the contact. And Iguodala's a crafty dude, so he's trying to get up into it, get up under it. And it was that back and forth all in 2015 about how do you handle LeBron, who's basically coming in, swinging that arm, you know, like preventing you from reaching. It's like, it's like that mini golf, that last one, where it's like the windmill, you got to get his – you got to uh, put it through before the min- in between the windmills. That's how LeBron drives to the basket. I know they complained about it in 2015. And I think they were like, all right, Brian, you just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> and it, it created the physical, it created this physical environment. Like, and the way they were playing Steph was physical. It, it was, it's interesting. The part that made this stand out was because it wasn't a pretty game for Steph. It wasn't a 15 for 20, right? It wasn't a 10 three-point game. Like, it was a grind game. It was a get-to-the-line 10 times game, right? Mm-hmm. It was a – they're overplaying at the line, so I got a backdoor going there to con- for contact. And that's where I felt like they thought they won the series because the, everybody knows they could win the pretty game, right? Yeah. Where it's a beautiful basketball what they didn't know was they could win the ugly one on the road where they're getting beat up and it's just about straight up toughness because Tristan Thompson was straight Debo and them dudes. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it was just crazy physical. There was a stretch where I thought Steph was about to shove Shump onto the floor because Shump, Shump was in his chest before the ball was inbounded for like 10, five seconds before the ref even handed the inbound of the ball. Shump would be in his chest talking mad shit right to his face. Yeah. It was insane. If you, I was just looking at the basketball reference box score. There were only 84 possessions in this game. That's fucking wild. Like this, I was looking at the end of the third. It was like 77, 79. Like, geez. Like, this, it was just, like, this was old It feels school. like the league has changed so significantly, even since then. And, like, it doesn't feel like games like this are even possible anymore. No. Not, no. not at this level. Not, not at this level. It, you can't touch players the way they were getting touched. You can't do that anymore. Like, I, I, mi- a, I miss a, this level of intensity. Like this, could, watching this series, man, it, it's it's refreshing. And is I think it's good for players to to be able to play in these because, like, you in this series, you had to have a counter. For me, this is the problem with the Rockets, right? Mm-hmm. You, they're going to take something away from you, right, period. And you just have to figure out another way. The refs, are they're going to let them play. you got to figure out another way. And the Warriors had to figure out another way to win this game. And then Cleveland had to figure out another way after the Warriors took control of the series. Like, you can't just go into a series like, yo, I'm going to do what I do. And let's hope if it falls where it may. Right. Like, yeah, the, what, the what numbers say that uh, eventually these threes are going to go down. So we're just going to keep doing exactly what we've been doing. No, no, nah, you got to, you know, you got to figure out another way. You got to get to the line. They're trapping the pick and roll. They're blitzing. And you got to make that pass. And I, I know in the first three games of the series, uh, or especially the last series, the frustration from the Warriors fans' perspective was, it was just so easy to take the ball out of Steph's hands. Mm-hmm. Right? It was like as much as like you love the movement and ball movement, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, all right, in the end, do you want the ball of James Michael back in two hands at the end of the possession? <laughs> right? You, you need to figure out a way to make sure the ball is in Steph's hands 
And this was one of the games where it's like, yeah, I know y'all trapping. I know you got the blitz. I know Tristan Thompson is really good as a big getting out on the guard, but I'm not going to let you take the ball out of my hands so easily. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to figure out something. I think that that's what he had to overcome in this game. And that's a credit to Cleveland because they, I mean, I just, I don't remember them being this good defensively individually. Like, where, when was J.R. Smith this year? <laughs> hey, he, he was their premier perimeter defender, yeah. that, which didn't really say a lot about the Cavs. One thing that jumped out, though, was having Bogut out there as that guy that is just going to make that next pass. It really did help their offense. And I, I think him going down is something that doesn't get talked about enough. I think people obviously will talk about the, the big injuries, but Bogut going down, Iggy's back, I think are two things that often get overlooked. But one thing I didn't remember from this game was Bogut going up for a lob and colliding with Tristan Thompson and his left knee buckled the wrong way. It was way. a dangerous defensive play by Thompson. Nine of 15, alley up, and Bogut is fouled by Thompson. And Bogut shaking up on the plays. Thompson picks up his third. And man, like I felt sick to my stomach because I was like, shit, it buckled the wrong way. And that was the leg that the next game uh, caused him to miss the rest of the series and really change his whole career. So they thought he was out this game. They thought he was out this game. When that happened, they were like, yeah, he's done. I mean, he only played 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. He, so. he had the same amount of minutes as uh, McAdoo and Verjao combined. So that that's not, so, <laughs> that's, right? it's not a great Some sign. Some of it too was Tristan was causing problems, right? Like he's, he was the perfect in-between big where he was too quick for somebody like Bogut. Like, it's that second and third jump. Bogut, Bogut got you on the first jump. Second and third when, you you know, he can't keep up with you. And Tristan is like that wild, constantly bouncing, especially back then. But he's, uh, but he's also like a, a bully, like physical. So you can't just put Draymond on him. Like, mm-hmm. There are guys you – 90% of the centers in the league, the Warriors are like, just put Draymond on him and it works. But Tristan is legit 6'11", right? Like, like this is not a big dude who's – or a tall dude who's, like, light. Like, he's legit tall. He's legit thick. He's legit reckless. An ass that <laughs> so just he, won't quit. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> At all, right? His butt is just – you know, it's just bumping dudes out of the lane if you're too small. Mm-hmm. So, he was, he was a weird – he was just a, a bad – he was a tough matchup for the Warriors. He, he was legitimately the third most important Cav in this series. No question. No question. They, they, that's who they thought about. They were thinking about Tristan. Yeah, I was, was going to ask LeBron, you. They thinking about Kyrie, and they were thinking about Tristan. I was going to ask you, what was – like covering the uh, Warriors as closely as you did, like what was their – like how did they think about Tristan? Did they think of him as an annoyance, as a legit force worth stopping? Like, like how much discussion about Tristan Thompson was happening in that organization at the time? I think at first it was, he's not that good. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's kind of fluky. Cause you know, if Tristan gets eight on you, it's kind of like accidental. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> feel is. like he earned eight on you. Yeah, it's like, man, get out of here. That was luck. Right. But then especially because this is the second series and in the first series, he was just a problem. He had like Playing Draymond, power forward full time. Yes. Yeah, remember they had him and Mozgov, and it was just like the Warriors didn't have much of an answer. Mozgov gave the Warriors problems. Just Bogut, just if you were big and you could move, you were just a problem for Bogut at that point in his career. So Tristan was Draymond's, was the Thor to Draymond's side. He's the guy who neutralized the quote-unquote death lineup Mm -hmm. because he could just bully ball that. And everybody would say, yeah, if they go small, you just go big and bully him. But 
everybody wasn't able to do it. Memphis wasn't able to do it, right? Uh, Oklahoma City wasn't able to do it long enough to win the series, right? They they did. Also, it was effective. Also, Andre Robertson stopped shooting sixty percent from three. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, Stephen, you know, eventually Stephen Adams, like he had the hardest time staying out there with Steph. Yeah. <laughs> right. So at some point he had to come off, but. Like, the answer was always Draymond, and Tristan just made that difficult. So he went from a guy who's like, man, whatever, that's blue. What, he going to get you eight and five, whatever? He can't beat us. Mm-hmm. To, All right, not only is he hurting us, but his rebound energy is like doing something. It's I was about to say contagious. Am I allowed to say that during these times? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a vibe he creates, mm-hmm. right, when he's down there and getting the extra rebound, getting the third rebound. It kind of feeds what they do, uh, especially in Cleveland. So, yeah, he ended up becoming a problem. He ended up being somebody that they had to account for. And that's why Anderson Verjao is getting in. That's why Festus Azili is getting in, because Steve Kerr is like, we can't just get destroyed on the board. Yeah, he's looking like, for answers, right? Some kind of fight. Yeah, that that was Tristan Thompson. So, basically, Tristan Thompson won in the series because he's the reason Festus Azili got in. And Fessus Azili, once he came in, LeBron was like, hey, come over here, buddy. Let me holler at you. <laughs> Let me <holler> at you. <laughs> well, I, I mean, he's a pain in the ass, too, because the, the Cavs' offense basically was trying to find creative ways to get mismatches and exploit those. And then if they manage to get the stop or if they force a miss, Tristan Thompson's creating those second possessions. And, and that's one thing that always drives me crazy about 2017. The Warriors were always going to win that series no matter what. I... I don't think they ever really had to get into top gear at any point in the playoffs. But having a healthy Tristan Thompson would have at least been nice. Would have made it interesting. I, I, I think the Cavs, maybe maybe you get that, that game three, which was kind of like the game four of this series, where it was closer than people remember. Corver misses a shot, and KD comes down the other end. But, yeah, no, he was absolutely a difference maker in this game. But the third quarter was all Stephen Clay just – answer after answer one, one more thing about tristan that i think is important Go ahead. if you don't if you don't mind uh you know what also i think is irritating Tristan is the dude especially with the way the warriors play and it's it's the quote-unquote beautiful basketball the steve curve like right it's the passing and cutting it's the reaction he was so reckless <laughs> he was the dude at the y with no shirt on and jeans <laughs> and timberlands fouling <laughs> falling into people like no regard, elbows, and they can't call it all. And like it was a mental thing too. It was like, a, all right, we got to go deal with this dude who's kind of out of control half time. Yeah, and it's gonna hurt somebody, right? And he's gonna jump over your back, and he's gonna push you out of the way, and he's gonna do it every single time. Like so, it was a it really he really was kind of this monkey wrench to their game because if you go back door. You, you beat a dude back door and the help comes and now you got the nice drop off. Right. But Tristan is going to grab somebody, right. <laughs> yeah. He's going to like foul somebody hanging hard. He's going to jump crazy and land on somebody. And it's like, it makes you think about, you know, it's a monkey wrench. He really was that, that weird kind of awkward monkey wrench that you don't want to play with at the Y. Like I'm going to go over here and play with the dudes who aren't taking this so seriously. <laughs> Well, you know, who did take it seriously. And before we get to the dick punch, I know it happened before the Warriors really took over. Um, but I do think we should talk before we – we'll let the dick punch be our, our finale. But I want, before we get there, to talk about how insane the Warriors were defensively down the stretch. 
because this is really them like if if this was Steph at his best fighting through gritty grimy defense to still cook the Cavs defensively in that fourth quarter they were absolutely untouchable uh and the Cavs literally couldn't generate a good look yeah and they and they didn't dominate the boards either like the Warriors actually were rebounding that quarter uh I, I think Andre Iguodala uh just what he's able to do and, and the comfort he brings everybody else uh, they they basically were like, all right, we're gonna go one on one on Kyrie. We don't really have a choice anyway, but let's make him take the pull up jumper. Like you can even see them like he starts driving, bag up, right, sag back, and make him take the pull up jumper. And once that wasn't falling, like they just didn't have enough offense. Yeah, like, that's just, yeah. <laughs> that's Kyrie, about- Kyrie took ten shots in the fourth quarter. By the way, fourth quarter was it ten? Jeez, fourth quarter the Cavs took twenty one shots. LeBron Kyrie took 19 of them. Jesus. Uh, and only made wow. eight. LeBron went five of nine from the field. Kyrie went three of ten. Threes, right? uh, they like 0 for, they were they 0 for, were 0 3, for right? 5 from three in the fourth quarter. On the other end, it is worth noting that the Warriors played Barnes 11 minutes and 14 seconds of the quarter. Clay all 12 minutes. Iggy all 12 minutes. They wanted this win really, really bad. They played Draymond nine minutes. Like, if there's any indication that Kerr wanted this win and thought that this was the lineup that could slow the Cavs down. That's it, right? Oh, yeah, no question. And they they did rest Steph, right? Because I remember we were always watching the start of the fourth quarter, like how long are you going to keep Steph out? But he he played seven minutes. So well. Okay, yeah. Because no, Livingston played rest. the other five. Livingston was playing so well. This was young Livingston, too. I think Livingston had 20 in game one, if I remember correctly, but. Livingston was playing. He did so because well. Steph had eight <laughs> or whatever or eleven. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's and I, right. and they lost. <laughs> the Cavs lost <laughs> when they held they held Clay and Steph to twenty combined points in game one. And they lost. Yeah, Crazy shit. So yeah, the the Iguodala, Sean Livingston, uh, Clay Thompson perimeter defense. Like when they turned it up, they turned it up. But the key is Draymond. It, it always is. Like on that back end you have to have somebody to protect the rim. Like, you just have to have somebody who knows how to rotate over. And they they just trusted him. Like, when, when you got to that point where it's like, all right, let's step it up, and Draymond's like, I got everything. Like, if you get beat, I'm there no matter what. And now he's doing the, I'm going to run here, run there, cover this, cover that. Like, the, the key is that back line is Draymond. And one of the things we always forget, I know Barnes gets ridiculed a lot, because he went five for thirty-two over the last three games of the series, <laughs> two for two for twenty-two in games five and six. <laughs> Unbelievable! But he was an essential defender; like he was huge because of his versatility. Uh, they the Warriors had that ability. They would when they turned it up, they would go with that death lineup. People thought it was like offense; it was defense when they turned it up. Yes, and the odd part is LeBron. If I remember correctly, he had a good fourth quarter. Yeah, well, it, it salvaged his stats for the game, right? Like this was another one of yeah, those yeah. games where you look at LeBron's score, uh, his box score, and you say, "Well, he did his part," but really, he he was very passive in this game. It, it was weird; he wasn't that effective. So passive. And, and one of my more wild things that I've thought about in theories is maybe if the Cavs won this one, I don't know if they'd win the series because I I think they LeBron needed to fail in this way. The Warriors oh. were so confident at that point and that was one thing that I hated at the time but I've come to really like the Warriors were irreverent like 
in how they treated guys, uh, how they played. It was, I don't give a shit. Like, what we do, nobody can beat this. We're, we're just going to go out there, and, and no one has an answer for us. And I almost wonder if they didn't get into that mindset, if the Warriors would rally and the Cavs wouldn't be able to pull off the series win. It's a, that's a very interesting point. I, I, I think it's incredibly valid because – they just knew they were winning game five. Right. I mean, to be honest, they lost the series game five. Right? Yeah. Like it was like game five is not only where they, they didn't win it, but also it's when LeBron and Kyrie figured out we can get to the rim anytime we want. They have nobody. There. LeBron dug deep. And, he dug deep. At that. Yeah. And, and a part of the reason I think he dug deep is because he looked like he was falling apart in that fourth quarter. When things were going wrong, I remember watching, I was like, Oh, LeBron knows they're going to lose, and he's feeling it. And he's, like, going around, he's shoving people, he's barking at his teammates. Like, LeBron was in full desperation mode. Because, you know, everybody thought, you go up 3-1, that's the series. And I think he knew they lost the series that game. Yeah. He was desperate. And if he doesn't feel that, maybe he doesn't dig deeper in game, in game five. You're probably right. But also, I think if, if this is a, a, a seven-game series in the vein of – you know, two and two, now game five is it, and you got to go pull out game six to stay alive. I don't know if the Warriors had enough left in them. That, you know what, that's that's a valid point. But when we were re-watching game seven, I was sitting there, I'm like, I don't know if they replayed this a bunch of times, like especially when you look at the Warriors not scoring the last five minutes of that game. I'm like, I, I don't know if you ran it 100 times how many times the Cavs win it. I'm, I'm sure glad as hell they did. Uh, but, man, like this – I think the series was a little more competitive than people give it credit for because I think a lot of people look at the final scores of games. And, I mean, it was game seven. It was seven games. Yeah. Like, what more competitive can you be? And, and after games one – or well, I guess the, the first three games of the series, the, the last four really were a lot closer than people give them credit for. I personally think, like, the ebbs and flows of the series, it's not necessarily that it was – you know, two-point final position yeah. for seven straight games. But it was the, this team is better, they're done, and they come back. It's the storyline, the changing of the drama. Like, for me, that's what made it a riveted series. First two games was kind of trash, and especially after game two, we were like, the Cavs can't play with the Warriors. Well, they had lost seven straight to the Warriors <laughs> at um, that point. Mar- Marcus, you, you know what phrase I will always remember from after that. It's the Kyrie and barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken. They were cooking them too, boy. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if I could take credit for inspiring Kyrie. Yeah, you, he hey, you might as well. You might as well own that. I wonder if he saw that. He, they, I mean, that was the plan. They was like, let's just get Kyrie in here. He can't guard anybody. Let's just cook. Him. Yeah, you, and, you inspired Kyrie, and Andy Lou ran KD out of town. Let's let's let those are the two things we're going. Let, let's with take now. let let let's let the, let that uh, uh the Bay Area coverage take credit where they may. Absolutely. I'm with it. I'm 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 glad to be a part of history in that way. Let's do it. There you go. So so we're talking about why the Cavs won game five because LeBron dug deep. Let's talk about why Warriors fans say the Cavs won game five. And let's talk about the deck punch. Rewatching that moment, it's really surreal because one, the game doesn't stop. Green and James joying at each other while play continues. Iguodala the pull up. That won't go. And a double foul is gonna be called. Channing Fry getting in between LeBron James and Sense. Green starting to walk away. James has more words. Remember, Draymond Green 
is one flagrant foul and two technicals away from being suspended. In your brain, talking about that like fateful moment, you think like there would be a shoving match. And what happens is there the LeBron and Draymond get tangled up. LeBron steps over Dre pretty disrespectfully. Uh, we might add, Dre swings at him to get him off. Hits him in the in the groin. Uh, takes another uh, not a swing, but another push, and just kind of misses afterward. And the play doesn't stop. They start jawing at each other. While I think Livingston had the ball on the wing and like was attacking the basket. And like they don't actually the play doesn't stop, so they get called for a double foul in the box out and continue to talk mad shit to each other. It's just a really surreal play. Uh, what kind of what was your thought in the moment, Marcus? Did did it even register that this could change the the course of the series? It didn't hit me until the post game press conference when LeBron brought up suspension, and I was like, "Oh, it's not my call. It's the league office. They take a look at it. Uh, we all saw it in the locker room. You know, as far as the play, I think the league will take a look at it. We we'll see what they say. <laughs> oh, this thing is this is." Are they really talking suspension on this thing? Live, you know what live did look like? It looked like Draymond and LeBron sensing that the series was over and Draymond starting the trash talk early. That's what it looked like. <laughs> it looked, yeah. I, didn't, yeah. <laughs> Which I saw the, sounds like him. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, it didn't look like anything live, right? It didn't look like he hit him in the nuts. It didn't look like that live. Live looked like he stepped over him and – he, like, reached up to get him off him and then got up and went to have some words for him. And I think it was – I think the play happened because LeBron, like, shoved him. It was like a screen, and he just pushed him and went to go cover. Instead of, like, jumping – getting off the screen, he just shoved Draymond, pushed him down, and went to go, like, cover the ball. But it was like the shove was just like, oh, it from our perspective, it looked like, oh, LeBron's super frustrated. Like, he's done. Like, mm-hmm. like he's he's pissed off. He knows he's gonna lose the series, and now Draymond is talking. Like, so from where I sit, sat, it looked like this is just the unraveling of the Cavs. This is the unraveling yeah. of LeBron. That's what it felt like. It wasn't until we got to the post game press conference when LeBron started talking about suspension, and then you know you start talking to people, and they're like, "Yeah, they're calling the league." <laughs> somebody, mm-hmm. somebody actually texted me. Was like they're calling the league. They're trying to get him suspended for two games, and that's what I was like. Oh, this is big. <laughs> like I didn't live. It just didn't feel like that. Maybe because I was writing a game story about how you know the Warriors. Just yeah, because your game story, game. by the way, does not mention this. No, I didn't even. Know. I mean, I was right for a newspaper, right? So no, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's no, no criticism. <laughs> this is no criticism at all. Let me be clear. Uh, it's just cra- like- kind of crazy because, like, in the moment, it didn't feel that. It- I, I I certainly wasn't thinking he was going to get suspended until the press conference. I was thinking series is over. Uh, I'm sad. Uh, I yeah. I, I didn't think the- about it at all. Like I I remember at that time just kind of being down. Like all right, you know, this is another missed opportunity. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, like if the Cavs were just healthy last year, I think the Warriors are clearly the better team here. Um, and I I remember Twitter. Um, like Worldwide Wob and all those guys, like they're just replay after replay. Like that's the only time I actually became aware that that even happened and people were talking about that. I didn't think that uh, th- there was going to be anything that came from it. And looking back on it now, especially because I, I, 
my, my gripes at this point, I, I really do feel that Adam Silver is the Twitter commissioner. I almost wonder if that had a little more impact than the Cavs even complaining because teams are going to complain, but the, the public push – uh, for them to do something with Draymond, especially after especially the outrage after in the Oklahoma OKC City. series, yeah, I think that yeah, really cool. like yeah, I, I want it. I want him suspended in OKC. Like that, that was my crusade because I, I want to play OKC. I want no part of this Warriors team. I didn't, I didn't care <laughs> that we wouldn't beat the best team uh, to win the championship, no, but. I, I really wonder if the public pressure had, had more of an impact, especially with how we've seen his decision-making go since that point. I also think that, I mean, Draymond wore thin. Like, he wore out his welcome, you know. I'm sure the last time they talked to him when they didn't suspend him, they were like, yo, no more from you, <laughs> right? This is the last one. Yeah, uh, last chance. We're kind of letting you off the hook now on this one. Uh, no more from you. So – like you can't you can't have this conversation without talking about how Draymond, who as he does, pushed it all the way to the limit and went too far. Uh in in a vacuum, like it's like it's light work. But yeah. if you add you add the history and how this just they just had a situation. I do think it was social media that made this situation akin to the Oklahoma City one. Live, nobody was or nobody in the arena was thinking. There's another dick punch, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but man, when you slow it down on social media and let let people get a hold of it, you know, now it becomes another situation. To me, this series and this game, this moment, it actually does point to the impact the social media has on the league and how the narrative, like the narrative of players, of series, of games, of what happened, of what's important can be dictated by the fans, which is probably good and bad, but it definitely mm-hmm. it definitely lends to the reason the NBA is such a unique league and has such a unique following because, like, this doesn't happen anywhere else. Like, it doesn't happen where the mob can now <laughs> change the whole narrative about something or make something that wasn't a big deal into a big deal, right? Before that used to just be, like, the powers that be, right? And David, David, Stern, David Stern did what the fuck he wanted. Yeah, absolutely. David Stern thought it was a big deal. It was a big deal. But now it's like, <laughs> I mean, everybody's talking about it on social media, so it's a big deal, right? And I just remember being in the Warriors locker room and it not being a big deal. And then there's that moment where it's like, you can start hearing them saying, they better not suspend them for this. They better not suspend them. Mm-hmm. The first was like, what? What? Nah, nah. What? There, there was a little bit of a shift where it was, hey, there's, uh, a, there's a fair bit of conversation. And you know what? Then maybe, it became, maybe then it became should... a, hey, can you write, can you write this? Write this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I should lighten up on Adam Silver because this definitely wouldn't happen under David Stern. Sometimes I like to complain because I, I think in trying to listen to the mob and listen to social media, people don't know what they want. They don't know what they like. They, they, they don't know what's good for them. And, and, sometimes and it doesn't you need even to... last. Like, it doesn't. No. All this stuff no. about Steph. When Steph retires, do you can you imagine the coronation? Like oh my when God. Steph retires from basketball, everybody who used to rip on Steph is gonna be like, oh man, they're gonna talk to the people who think Trey Young or whoever is great or whoever the next one is no. and be like, and you don't know. You didn't see Steph. Steph was better than all the same people who thought he was trash is gonna be arguing about how great he was. Like it doesn't even last our takes and our mm. thoughts, right? It's just it's all in a, it's all like for the moment and then we feel something different and now it's over, right? <laughs> like so it's it, we definitely aren't worthy of of setting uh 
what what should be. We we aren't worthy of dictating history because we won't even stick to what we what we argued for. Exactly. No, I I, I like making jokes, but I, I don't see I don't understand the drive to minimize any of these players because to me it's like you want to beat the best. Like you you want to acknowledge how good this team was, how how great this collection of players could be when everything was clicking. And it's this was uh, I'm really enjoying this rewatch. I I I hadn't rewatched this series since it happened. I haven't rewatched Game Seven scared as hell that the result was going to change so i've really enjoyed this you know what you know what i like about like how things have grown speaking of this right what was very i remember there was a moment in this series where uh i asked steph was like dude what's up with you and lebron and he was like he gave a look like i have no idea and it felt like in this series lebron didn't like steph I mean, you know, there was mm-hmm. like, there was animosity there, which was very weird because there was probably no bigger supporter of Steph than LeBron James, <laughs> right? So it was... It's crazy because he went to... Uh, I remember LeBron going to Steph's game at Davidson in the tournament. Yes, yeah. and, he was there. And, and then it just feels like he Steph just was in his camp. <laughs> yeah, he just didn't appreciate the coronation. I mean, that there's just disdain with every More block social media, on him. Right? Yes. More of us dictating a narrative. It was, it was crazy too. Um, like to watch them kind of get back, I thought it's been really cool, right? And now you can look back and kind of appreciate like the the quote unquote war they went through. But you know, their relationship has you know the animosity seems like it's gone. And maybe it was never there. Maybe it just seemed like it. it definitely felt like it. It felt like it to the Warriors. I mean, it felt like it clearly Steph. felt like it to Steph. Yeah, yeah. It definitely felt like it to Steph, right? So it's just like uh, where there's always been this kind of reverence for LeBron. I mean, he was at LeBron's camp, right? I mean, he was uh, <laughs> like, I remember there was a moment, and it's, it's on social media too, where Steph, young Warriors, went to Miami, and, uh, and, and I think they won a game or made it closest when – you know, it was like the big three with the heat. And they ended up like talking to Steph was like, Man, why would you why you do our point guard like that? Like, man, you're you're amazing. Like, why you give him three heads? Right. And they were just like talking to Steph and it's like, yo, how does Mario Chalmers feel about this? Like, yeah, it was Mario Chalmers. I was thinking I was like, it was definitely Mario that he was cooking. Yeah, right? it's like, man, why? Mar- Mario catching strays in the yeah. year of our Lord twenty twenty. You know Poor Mario. I know, right? It was just like they, they like Steph, they appreciated him. So it was weird, but you know what? In hindsight, maybe that's exactly what LeBron needed to take another level, right? He needed – we were all writing them off. We all thought the game, like the Warriors had taken the crown and Steph had taken the crown. Mm. And maybe and, and, and he summoned something else. <laughs> like he had another gear and he shifted to another level where it was like, oh, okay, our bad, Brian. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I wonder, I wonder if there's another, um, if there's another chapter for those two, because it's funny to see two guys that have a a legitimate claim for best player ever at their positions. And and they just kind of want to get a little bit of respect from each other. I wonder if there's ever like a magic and bird chapter to these two. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but it is fascinating to see how those two are connected. No question. And I, I would like to note, uh, Marcus, that I made a bird uh, magic comparison in our game seven pod that we already recorded. Listen, listen Carter, I'm just, a blogger and an aggregator at my heart. And I will steal shit. Justin knows full right. well that this podcast is coming out before game seven. And he stole my fucking analogy. Man, why, why, <laughs> why, you, why you just can't let him have it, though? I don't yeah, want that's, it. That's bullshit. That's a heady play. 
That's a heady play. <laughs> game, game recognized game. Be like, now, I, I, now I have to look petty. This is unfair. Yeah, right? Now you look petty and, this sucks. and, and you you're look second. Small. And you're this second. Sucks. <laughs> you, you look small as hell, Connor. Marcus, this has been a lot of fun. We really, really do appreciate your time uh, helping us kind of remember this series and, and talk about game four. Again, to all our listeners, go on Amazon, check out Golden, check out KD. Uh, do you have anything else you want to plug, Marcus? Uh, nah, the athletic come check us out. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely. Come on, you guys, you, you got nothing better to do. Make sure you're subscribed to the athletic. All right. So a big thanks once again to Marcus. Thanks to Carter. Thanks to all our listeners. And remember, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe to help cook those books. And if you want part of our exclusive chase down discord, you can send a screenshot of that review to chase at gmail.com. Big thanks to everybody once again, and until next time, go Cavs.